Welcome to Chat NDT with ASNT. I'm your host, Kitty Horwat. In today's episode, we talk about different auditing methods for NDT. ASNT is excited to announce our own auditing program for recommended practice number SNT-TC1A, the Employer-Based Certification Program, which is coming this fall. Stay tuned for a future episode on the EBC program. You can also learn more by visiting asnt.org EBC. Today, I'm joined by Jeff Wagner. Jeff, who has over 30 years of experience in non-destructive testing, is the owner of NDT Quality Assurance LLC and a Navy Nuclear QA Specialist for the U.S. Department of Defense. He has worked for the U.S. Navy and NASA and has worked in the areas of aerospace, ordnance, and manufacturing inspection. He's a Level 3 certificate holder and a veteran of the Pennsylvania National Guard, as well as an active member of ASNT in the Greater Houston ASNT section. Jeff, thank you so much for chatting with me today. Thank you for having me, Kitty. Of course. So today we're going to talk about NDT audits and why they're so important. So do we want to start with that? Why are audits so important in this industry? Well, audits are super important in this industry. Uh, They help you um, take a look at the health of your organization. And just like when you go to the doctor's office, hopefully with some periodicity, you're going in there six months annually for a checkup. You should do the same thing with your NDT program because it's going to take a look at the program's overall health, look at your customer directives and make sure you're following them. It's going to take into account any new uh, equipment you might have that that needs to be um, maybe better uh, associated with with procedures or flow down of requirements and uh, give you a, a real good, comfortable feel that you're doing the right thing and, uh, and, and then also let you know if you're, if you're not, if, if there's some gaps in your program that need to be addressed, uh, maybe uh, generate some dialogue with management and the level three and the auditor to, uh, you know, kind of put those things to bed. Sounds like it kind of opens the door for you to be making sure you're doing the best possible non-destructive testing work and, and nothing slipping through the cracks. Right? Exactly. That's exactly it. What's the difference between surveillance and an audit? Well, an audit looks at the whole program, your entire NDT package, and a surveillance is really just looking at one facet of that um, package. And and let me give you an example. Let's suppose you were to go to uh, do an audit at a McDonald's. You might look at how the cashiers were doing their job, how the people in the kitchen were performing their jobs, the the guy assembling the sandwiches, the person who's running the fryer. Uh, Maybe you'd even look at what's going on uh, back in the freezer section, uh, general housekeeping, all those sorts of things that make up a good uh, restaurant. You may even go to several restaurants and look at how each of them are doing their jobs and and how those corporate directives are being flowed down and how uniform everything was between them. That is an audit. If you're just looking at only one aspect of it, perhaps it's how the cashier uh, is, is handling, taking orders, handing over money, the time it takes to do those operations, the ease at which the customer can, can order through the menu, that would be more of a surveillance where you're very, very focused on just one facet of that operation 
uh, within the entire restaurant. Makes sense. Um, so when should an audit typically be done? Typically, an audit um, could be done at, at, at a variety of times. Um, normally, you'll have a governing body like ISO or NADCAP or NUPIC or NIAC or any of the other um, oversight agencies out there that, that, that want you to have an audit done with a certain periodicity. They may say annually, maybe every three years maybe every five years, but the governing body will drive that requirement. Uh, you might also do an audit anytime you have a change in your management. Uh, maybe your, your responsible level three has been replaced. Um, that might be an occasion when you would want to go back in, have that new level three uh, brought up to speed on where the gaps are in the program any shortcomings that he's got to be made aware of or, or she needs to, to take a look at to make sure that, uh, that, that those um, gaps in the program are, are getting filled. And you also could have a new company owner. Maybe your business is being bought out and the NDT um, program might get looked at to see, you know, what kind of a program are they running? Is there a lot of liability here? Is this something we want to... Uh, you know, continue on with? Is this something that needs to be outsourced? What kind of, uh, of issues are we going to inherit when we buy this, this business? And um, you could also have it if there was some sort of deliberate malpractice. Uh, if you had someone who maybe was not doing a good job with their NDT program, um, maybe falsifying documents, um, you're, you're definitely looking at the need for an audit you really should do an audit annually. Uh, you you want to make sure that you're in compliance with any uh, routinely changed specifications. Most documents um, from the governing bodies tend to change about every five years. So if you're looking at like ASTM specs and, and whatnot, you're looking at about a five-year interval between changes and they're not all coordinated. So you may in your procedure identify 10 different specs. And at any given year, any one of those could be being updated and revised. So you need to make the adjustments to your procedures to make sure you're still in compliance with, with those. Um, another reason might be if you did some substantial changes to your NDT program, such as maybe you added some new equipment. You possibly want to go back in, look and make sure that your procedures are up to date, that you're taking the best advantage of all the new things that that new equipment's bringing to, to you as, as a, a business. Um, you, you might want to take a look and see if um, the industry requirements uh, have any limitations on that new equipment. So, so those are probably um, the best times to be doing an audit, which I know that sounds like a lot, but it really is. It's a health check. You know, you got to go in and do them. And, and some people, if, you know, they're not directed, they're, they're not going to do a, a doctor's visit, let alone an audit. And so that's why the governing bodies, your customer, and your own quality program should drive you into doing these audits with some periodicity. Yeah. So to follow up with that, if we say the goal is annually, for example, mm -hmm. how much time will an audit take up? How much time will a company have to commit to this NDT audit? Okay. That's going to vary um, from location to location and, 
and business to business uh, and industry to industry. Some NDT audits can, can be done pretty quickly. Others are going to take longer. And a lot of times it's going to depend on how many individual NDT methods are you performing at your facility? Um, how, how much NDT are you doing? Are you just doing, you know, an inspection here or there once or twice a week? Or, or, or is this a, a full-blown production assembly area where you are doing NDT day in and day out every day, eight hours a day or, or 24 hours a day? Uh, could have a lot to do with how many NDT personnel you have on your staff. Uh, depending on the audit, they may have to go through those certification records, and 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 that can be quite time consuming. Um, it may depend on whether you're doing all the inspections yourself or are you subcontracting some of those. Um, that might require the auditor to go to a secondary location and validate that your your subcontracted NDT house is is also meeting those requirements. Um, it may depend on whether or not you're providing your own qualification training and testing program. Are you, are you going outside? Are you going to a, a supplier to, to get that training? Or are, are you providing it yourself? And maybe they need to take a peek at that and see if you're meeting the, uh, the requirements of the industry, like you know, CP 105, just to make sure everything's good. And it may also be a function of how complex your customer's requirements are. If you're working, I don't know, let's say you're, you're working for um, the nuclear industry, you're going to have very, very demanding requirements placed on you, and, and for good reason. And those kinds of audits are going to take a lot longer than, say, um, something that might be a little more uh, generic or, or, or easily done. So, um, you know, it, it's really hard to, to place a number a day, you know, an hour limit on it. Um, typically, if I'm just talking typically, you know, you find um, some auditors will do a method a day. Some auditors will try to do, you know, a multitude of, of methods and, and get in and out and in you know three to five days and, and and a lot of that has to do with what kind of a record do you have with them is this the first time they're coming in are they baselining you and they need to look at everything or has everything been going pretty smoothly and you've been keeping up with your procedures and they really don't have a whole lot of of expectation that there would be a problem they may just come in and and you know just hit a couple of areas to, to get that warm fuzzy feeling again and be gone annual conference is now virtual. Join us for ASNT 2020, the annual conference, a brand new virtual conference experience for the NDT community. Taking place November 9th through 12th, ASNT 2020 will feature the incredible content you've come to expect, featuring industry thought leaders and presenting the latest research and innovation in non-destructive testing. In addition to those sessions, you'll be able to explore the virtual exhibit hall, where you can connect one-on-one -on -one with different exhibitors. You'll also be able to attend our popular virtual happy hour and join other networking opportunities. We may not be able to meet in person this year, but we're still together. Visit asnt.org annual to learn more and register to attend. How has COVID-19 affected audits? COVID-19 has been 
difficult for everybody. Um, it's one of those things where a lot of facilities aren't letting uh, auditors into the into their facility, and for good reason. Um, there's a lot of people don't want to travel right now. They don't want to get on a plane. They don't want to take the risk. And so what has happened is a lot of people have moved to what's called a desk audit. And in a desk audit, basically you're asking your 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 supplier, please send me your procedures, uh, maybe personnel cert records, um, some uh, objective evidence that you're that you're performing your technical performance evaluations um, all, all of the kinds of paperwork documentation things that might be electronic and and doing a review on them i've noticed a big change in the way people are doing their um, their desk audits and it's driving the need to update procedures more than ever people are spending much more time um, as an auditor looking at a procedure Typically, when you're out on the shop floor, you've got, you know, just a few hours of, of time with that um, supplier. Now, since you're not going to the supplier, you've got a little bit more time to really go through that procedure with a fine-tooth comb, identify any errors and, and some that, that may have been there for several iterations of, of that procedure. But uh, because it's a desk audit and you've got the time, um, procedures are going are really going to get um, looked at very very closely right now. That makes sense. And you mentioned desk audits as one type of audit. What are the other different types of audits and their individual benefits? Okay, so typically you when you're when you're looking at the auditing world, um, and, and I'm no expert in it, but typically you've got first, second, and third party audits, and they may work in a horizontal or vertical manner. So. A first-party audit is typically referred to as an in-house audit. That's where your own people with inside your facility are looking at your requirements and your directives and, and, and making sure that you're doing what you're supposed to be doing per your procedure. A second-party audit is done by your customer, and this is to make sure you're in compliance with their contract requirements and it's going to give them a, a sense of confidence in, in what you're doing. And then you've got third-party audits. And these are generally done by an external organization. And, and these audits will take the direction of whatever um, the requirement is that, that's looking to be filled, depending on who's doing it. You know, if that's a, a, a governing body like a NADCAP, or is this something that's being done um, based on a problem that had occurred. And so they've brought in a third party to, to, to get a, a different point of view. Or is this a, an audit being done because somebody's uh, being bought out and they, they just want to get a feel for, for what you have, what equipment's available, um, how well you're running your, your processes. So, so there's some variation there with third party. Um, and as I mentioned, typically audits get done either vertically or horizontally. In a vertical audit, that is going to be where you're being looked at for contractual requirement flow down through your NDT program. And it's going to verify whether your company is meeting that program. And, and that kind of falls in line with what those second party auditors are doing. They want to make sure that from the contract documents are being flowed down through um, drawings, procedures, um, cert records, all those sorts of things are, are in line. 
and, and it's um, really, like I said, a, a top-down review. In a horizontal audit, you're looking at process flow for a specific part. You're going to follow that part through the shop from raw material to finished product. You're going to walk it through the line, make sure everybody's following those procedures, the procedures that you run across. You want to make sure that that's what the guy on the shop floor is doing. He's not deviating, um, that he's using the correct revision, that sort of thing. So it sounds like you get your you get your audit back, you get your report card per se of how you're doing, and it points out those things that are wrong. But do you ever identify positive things in these audits? Well, that's a funny thing. <laughs> yes, uh, but I think sometimes it might be it might take a little perspective because I mean, let's face it nobody nobody builds monuments to critics. Um, many mm-hmm. people feel that uh, when auditor comes in, he's in a gotcha mode. He's, he's trying to flip over as many rocks and find as many problems as he can. And, and, and so you're, you're trying to hide things from him. Um, but what I have found, especially in NDT is most people are trying to do the right thing. They really truly want to be doing the right thing. And if they're not, it might be an omission, an error, you know, in general, I'm going to say 98% of the of the people out there are really, really um, conscientious about how they do their NDT job. Nobody gets into, you know, NDT. I shouldn't say nobody, but few people would get into NDT and then, you know, do something deliberately to uh, cause a problem. Um, But that said, when these auditors are in there, um, they have a responsibility also. They should not be in there just as a gotcha moment, but or to create gotcha moments, but to create um, a vehicle for communication. They should be pointing out positive findings all the way up and down the chain of command. They should let management know, hey, this this particular inspector does a really great job, or this level three had all his um, documentation in, in perfect shape, or I like the way you guys are doing this inspection. It's very innovative, and it does a really great job. So there's a, there's a responsibility for that to happen. There's also a responsibility for the auditor to uh, be a facilitator when possible. Occasionally, there may not be clear direction from within the contract. You know, you, you may think what you put in the contract is clear, but by the time it gets down to the NDT house, it may or may not be in a language that they can understand. And so an auditor occasionally needs to go in there and kind of kind of explain what it is um, that that is needed for this uh, for this particular effort, and um, if if that's not possible, well then maybe they can facilitate with getting the company's level three in touch with the supplier's level three, and and and, and like I said, facilitate a way to to, to work through it. Um, I would say that as far as do you know positive things come out of it? Sure, they do. And, and the main thing that comes out of it is that um, the audit provides a confidence in knowing that, that your NDT program meets the customer's requirements. There might be some other stuff you may realize along the way. You may find um, within your audit that, you know, hey, we, we could be better utilizing this piece of equipment or uh, doing a, a more um, consistent inspection over here. And but ultimately, you know, that audit should be there to help you 
find areas for opportunities for improvement. Um, you know, this is going to save you money. It's going to save you aggravation. It's going to save you embarrassment with your customer. So, you know, it's a good thing. It's like a, you know, professional athletes um, get coaching. They, they want to know, you know, what can I do, uh, let's say, to my swim stroke to make me just a little bit more efficient, to make me just a little bit faster. And so you should look at these as opportunities of improvement. Sure, it's a critique. But it should be something that if if you're a conscientious individual, uh, you know it's going to make you better. And hopefully your organization recognizes that, okay, we got a couple of write-ups, but you know what? This is going to make us better. We're going to be stronger when we come out of this. Right. And you can't get better if you don't know what's wrong, right? Exactly. Have you ever purchased something from the ASNT store? Attended a webinar with ASNT? You could be missing out on exclusive discounts and perks that ASNT members receive. Become a member of ASNT and you'll be the first to know about the latest events and programs. Plus, you'll get unbeatable discounts on products, publications, events, and more from the top Society for Non-Destructive Testing Professionals. Members also have access to unique networking and career opportunities, putting them at the forefront of the industry. Members receive a subscription to our popular monthly journal, Materials Evaluation. What are you waiting for? Visit asnt.org slash join to become a member today. So can you elaborate a little bit more on the findings aspect and maybe go through what the most common NDT audit findings are? Sure. A lot of it depends on the difference is between organizations, managements, the level three um, and, and their involvement in, in the program. If everybody's real involved, um, the, the audit findings oftentimes take a different turn. Um, it, what you find is some, some guys, some level threes are really terrific at um, the NDT aspect of it. And you would expect that because, you know, ASNT's tests are, are grueling and they're tough and, and they are discriminating to the point where someone who really doesn't know their NDT they're not getting through. And unfortunately, you can be a terrific technician, but maybe your paperwork side of that is not as good as it could be. And that can get you in a little bit of trouble. And so um, that's where, you know, doing these audits will help. You will identify things that are, that are missing um, that, that may be in a blind spot or maybe are, um, there's just not time available. Maybe level three is just being push so hard, he doesn't have time to, to get this kind of stuff done. Um, and that could be anything from uh, cert certification files, not updated, inspection procedures, not updated, lapsed eye exams, any number of things, delinquent uh, equipment calibrations, process control requirements not being met. I mean, those are, those are the real overall broad and arch of items that, that might be looked at. Um, but then you can also get into some very, very specific areas. Um, as an example, I'll use um, personnel qualification exams. Um, I think every auditor has their favorite area. This is, this is probably one of mine. And one of the things that I find in looking at how individuals get qualified is occasionally you will find people who will test their inspectors using verbatim ASNT study guide questions. And, and it's expressly forbidden, both in that document 
and in uh, a number of other governing documents because those exam questions are available to everybody. Anybody can, can go to ASNT and, and get those practice questions. So you really shouldn't be using practice questions as your qualifying questions. Another thing that I see people do with their specific exams is not be specific. They will ask questions about, say, um, a specification, but what you are really looking for in a specific exam is does this test drive into the procedure? Does it push the person to understand the equipment that they're going to be using at their facility um, or, or the type of work or the type of flaws that they're going to be seeing? Those are all um, very specific to that location. And you would expect to see very specific, uh, hence the, the title, um, test questions. And then Lastly, uh, the practical exams uh, are another area where I find issues. Um, typically, you would want a test exam that would have a test piece where the person has to inspect the part and evaluate indications at the level of discrimination that's required for the job. You would expect if your customer says, hey, any flaw over a sixteenth of an inch has to be looked at and if it meets certain requirements we're going to reject it so if if 16th of an inch is where your um, uh, customer wants you looking using a test prop that has quarter inch or half inch size flaws as your qualifying test prop for an inspector is is kind of a bad idea you really haven't proven their ability to evaluate at the level of discrimination that's required by their, uh, their your customer and and really for for your procedure. So it sounds like these audits provide a lot of really helpful information, especially to current level threes in management. Yes. Um, so having that second set of eyes is a great thing because it helps you identify that you have uh, looked in areas even beyond what is in your normal day to day, you've had somebody else glance over your shoulder. It's helpful. You know, we've all had occasions where we're in the middle of something and, and somebody standing, you know, on the other side of the room looks at it and says, Hey, but did you think about, or did you see? And, and suddenly you have that aha moment, like, wow, how, you know, this person um, just popped in, they were here for two minutes and, and now, you know, they've got a, a great uh, point that will make me better. Um, the, the, the best part of, of an audit is that it is going to drive communication and accountability between your management and your level three. That way, everybody's aware of the, of the concerns. Everybody's aware of who's responsible to fix it. And everybody's aware if there are issues that might be involved in, in the fix. Maybe it takes some resources that you know the level three doesn't have on hand. So management will, will have to facilitate. So it's, in my opinion, it's, you know, it's a great help, not just to the level three, but uh, management as well. All right. So you have the audit on the schedule, you know, when it's coming, how do you prepare? <laughs> well, <laughs> big question, big right? Question. It's, a, it's, a, it's a good question. And, and, and honesty, in, uh, in all honesty, the, the best way to prepare is to just do what you're supposed to do every day 
based on what your procedures say. If you're following your, your procedures, your written practice um, on how to run your NDT program, you should be good. Uh, that's, that's the best way to, to, to do it. Um, once you have that scheduled and it, it's on the books, um, then, you, then you're pretty much looking at when can I put together the information that this person's going to be looking for. The auditor obviously may have a goal in mind and knowing what kind of audit you're about to get, you know, is this a, is this a second party audit and they want to see the flow down? Well, then I want to make sure I have documents that expound on that and, and indicate what well, indicate to this auditor that I've got all that stuff squared away. Um, you want to have it handy so that you don't have to go digging for it because the longer you spend running around digging for this document or that document or running up to the front office to get cert files or, or whatever, um, the longer that person sitting there maybe becoming impatient or maybe digging through documents to find things that maybe or maybe not are a big deal, but um, they've got the time to keep digging. And so, you know, the more you can facilitate, the easier you can make it. Um, the more knowledgeable a person you can assign to the audit, if you if you're going to be able to assign an, uh, you know someone to facilitate, you know definitely get somebody in there who knows where all the records are that this person is looking for, um, and, and ideally ask up front, what are you going to be looking at? What do you want to see when you get here? And then have it waiting for them. And then once the audit's over, you get your results back, you fix any discrepancies. Are you done then? Uh, no. <laughs> so <laughs> what you really want to do at that point is um, run your corrective actions through your company's corrective action process to make sure that not only are they adequate, but you want to see if they're going to have any influence or effect um, up or down the chain of, of, the, of production. Um, if, if you had an issue that was severe, you may be required to take it, uh, your fixes back to the customer uh, and let them know, uh, or the auditor, and let them know what you've done to, to make those fixes to assure that they're adequate. And then, um, obviously, if you want to document that as, as best you can to make sure that uh, any follow-up auditors that come in, if they stumble across something that, that maybe just took a little discussion to resolve, that you know they're not reopening a can of worms that has uh, already been um, addressed. You want to you Find your problems, fix them, and put them to bed, and, and put them behind you. And you know, lessons learned, and, and then uh, you know, make sure your your program is, is you know marches off smartly. Do you have any other advice you'd like to share for how to survive an NDT audit? Yeah, I would suggest that uh, use checklists. A lot of folks, you know, go through um, their life very involved in NDT. They know it inside and out, and and I get it that that you know maybe as an auditor you've done so many of these that the moment you walk through the door you can smell if something isn't quite right. However, um, nobody's perfect, and if you if you are going in, um, sometimes you get so caught up in one area where you have found a problem that other areas tend to suffer. So, uh, you know, as a, as an auditor, whether you're doing um, auditing for someone else or you're doing your own first-party audits. I would, I, I recommend that you know you keep a checklist to make sure you've hit on all the areas that uh, fall under the responsibility of uh, maintaining an NDT program. 
Thank you so much, Jeff. And thanks for joining me today. I think you've really been able to make the NDT audit be a little bit less intimidating. Uh, where can people find you? So if you want to reach out to me, uh, you could just shoot me an email at jeff at ndtqa.com. And I'd be happy to answer any questions you might have um, regarding NDT auditing. It doesn't have to be scary. Um, in the end, everybody's supposed to to go home happy and, and uh, satisfied that, that their NDT program is, is meeting the needs of their suppliers. And, you know, there's some way I can facilitate. Happy to do so. Awesome. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Kitty. Have a good one.